the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number two hundred and twenty-five. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I have with me, hello, this is Ed, and this is Hippolyta, and we are bringing the latest comic <laughs> news and comic book reviews from June fourth through June seventeenth. We have a total of three books to cover. We have just a little bit of news to cover, and then obviously we have a little bit of a discussion point later on as we talk about uh, Dark Days: The Forge. We'll talk about that after uh, Greater Gotham later on. So let's dive straight into comic news. So as far as news goes, there's just a couple of small, quick things. The first one is on June 16th, it was announced that there are a number of evil versions of Batman that are going to be spawning out of Batman Metal. Um, beginning in September, new versions of Batman will emerge from the series Dark Knight's Metal event uh, that will be straight evil. Each are featured in their own one shot, and they will release either in October or November. Um, as far as what we will expect, September, October, and November, I should say. As far as what we can expect, uh, Batman the Red Death, number one. Um, Batman the Murderer Machine, the Murder Machine. Um, we have Batman the Dawnbreaker, Batman the Drowned, Batman the Merciless, Batman the Devastator, and Batman the Man Who Laughs, or the Batman Who Laughs. Um, and also as part of this announcement outside of that, each one, uh, I should say those one-shots are going to be priced at $3.99 and feature a special foil-stamped cover done by Jason Fabic. Um, on the website, we do have some some promotional art that they released for uh, these one shots, but they are not actually the covers. Uh, Fabic himself actually went online and said those are not the covers because there were certain certain news uh, news outlets that were reporting that they were the uh, covers, and he had to correct them. And I don't know why they they in, insisted on assuming that they were. But anyway, um, so you can take a look at the the promotional art. It doesn't actually show, but basically each one of these versions that are going to pop up in the pages of the uh, of metal that's an evil version that seems to be a version mixed with a different dc character so for example yeah, uh there's an aquaman one there's a doomsday one a green lantern wonder woman flash um obviously the joker um so you can take a look at the promotional work there's a cyborg one um, but the other part of the announcement was also that there is a group that is called the gotham resistance and this is a small crossover that will take place in Teen Titans number 12, Nightwing number 29, and Suicide Squad number 26. Uh, 26. And it says that these version, th- this team is going to deal with the evil versions of the Dark Knight. Um, they will, they be, it will appear in those three issues over a three-week time frame in September. Um, the team, based off the art that they showed, features Damien, um, Nightwing, Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Harley Quinn, Killer Croc, Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, and uh, Goliath, Damien's Werebat. Um, so you can take a look at the piece of art for that on the website as well. Um, n- and not to be confused, and I want to lay this out because I saw some news outlets, again, assuming and making connections and things like that. And they were stating that this team that is called Gotham Resistance is actually the team of outsiders that Batman has been putting together 
even though in the pages of the forge they actually show the outsiders says that's not what's happening yeah exactly so i just want to clarify in case you were reading these news pieces other places because i don't know why because this bit of news was actually sent out as a press release from dc we received it in the same format that everybody else did but somehow bigger news outlets were taking liberties and reporting things that weren't part of it so just be aware yeah exactly fake news is everywhere so just be aware of it so what do we think of all these announcements i don't know i mean it's this is kind of always the peril of scott snyder doing a big story right like here comes the stuff coming out of it the multi crossovers and it's fine i mean they're going with the multiverse angle here so evil batman would be to be expected, I suppose. I don't know if we need, was there six or seven of them or whatever they are. Um, that's fine. I mean, you knew you had to know that the rest of the universe was going to get on, on in on the crossover action. Um, I, are we about to review all 20 titles of these? No, we will not. We will what? review them on the oh, website, okay. but we're not going to review them here on the, not going to review them individually on the podcast. Okay. Um, I, I really have no feelings towards it whatsoever. I mean, uh, it just sounds like another event, basically. And let's hope that it's better than the Villains Month. Well, I guess it'll be just like Villains Month, where there were some good ones, and then there will be a lot of bad ones. So It'll just be interesting to see how exactly they tie all this stuff together, because I know that they have been promoting metal as a DC, you know, a DC event, not just a Batman-specific event. Batman takes a key role in the event, but he is, but it's not a Batman specific event where it only focuses on Gotham city and, and the bat family and all of that. So that being said, I'm curious to know how they're going to approach these. Now, these one shots that are going to be happening are taking place. The different versions, like the green lantern version is actually going to be written by one of the green lantern writers, Joshua Williamson, who does flash is going to be writing the flash version one. So it'll be interesting to see how they all work, they all play out. But it does just feel like, like Ed said, it's just another thing that they're adding in to make Scott Snyder's thing a little bit bigger. And sometimes, as as he said, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and the other thing too was I was wondering. So you know where they had those, um, like the logos on the cover, like the Green Lantern, the Flash, things like that. I was wondering if they're going to be a mixture, like a Batman Flash, or will it just be an evil Batman versus the Flash, an evil Batman versus a Green Lantern? Good question, yeah. Yeah, because everyone, like uh, like you said, the news outlets were like, well, it's going to be, I'm like, well, if they're using the writers, they might just be a twisted version of Batman versus another hero. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, so another bit of news that also came out on June 16th was that All-Star Batman is coming to an end. Um <laughs> And, and now this is kind of interesting. Are you so crying? Is that him crying? crying? Yes, Falling back is. tears. Yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, All Star Batman is going to end with issue number fourteen, which is going to release in September. That's the end of this current first ally storyline that we're currently uh, reviewing here on the podcast. Snyder is still going to be continuing All Star Batman in some way, shape, or form oh. in the future. May not even be called All Star Batman, but basically, DC approached him and said, "Hey." We know you want to tell a bunch of these stories that you have planned. Uh, You've got certain artists that you want to work with. What if we just did it outside of All-Star Batman? Um, What if we did it in a different format, maybe a more of a prestige format? Meaning 
they can raise the price up a little bit higher, uh, make it a little bit better of a cover, a little bit thicker of a spine, you know, make it thicker pages, things like that. Um, if you are familiar with the millions and millions of miniseries that have come out over the years, there's plenty of miniseries that have released in the past that are in prestige format. Dark Knight Returns, the original. Yes, that's true. And uh, I mean, there's, but there's even ones that have only had two issues, uh, two face strikes twice, and you're currently. Year, uh, year one, Razal Ghul and Scarecrow, those both were uh, prestige format. But anyway, the point is there's tons of them out there. They haven't really done anything with prestige format miniseries in quite some time. Well, there's, a current so- one right, there's a current one right now. It's just not a Batman one. The okay. Supergirl being super is a prestige format. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I didn't know that, but yep. I mean, so they are okay. So then that I take that comment back. They are doing something with prestige format, but it just feels like they haven't done really anything. And as we have pointed out multiple times on the podcast, that sometimes miniseries might be a better idea rather than an ongoing series. And All Star Batman kind of feels like that, especially since the first six issues were basically could have been condensed into maybe two or three prestige format issues. Um, and then just sold as a single mini series featuring Scott Snyder and a specific artist. In that case, it was John Romita Jr. So, but the other plus side of doing this kind of format is that they don't have to worry about making that monthly schedule every single month so that the artists have a little bit more leeway with it where they can have more time to finish their art and not have to have someone come in and step in and fill in for them to finish up the art to make sure that it comes out on time. Um, we don't know exactly when this is going to relaunch or you know how it's going to relaunch. Snyder just kept saying, don't worry, all these stories that I've been telling you for all this time that uh, I want to tell the one, the futuristic one with Sean Gordon Murphy. And I, he's got a couple other ones that are lined up. And he was saying he was going to do right after this one with Rafael Albuquerque. Uh, those are still, he still has every intention of doing those and releasing them just in this new format that he could not talk about at length. I'm guessing because it'll probably get announced closer to Comic-Con mm-hmm. and then they'll you know make a big deal about it at Comic-Con. So I'm guessing that is the intent. They're just, they just needed to announce that it was ending and try to, you know, hold back the uh, herds of Scott Snyder fans that were very upset by this by saying it's coming back. We just can't tell you how yet. That's what's happening with All Star Batman. I'm assuming it'll 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 pick up after the Dark Days event. Yeah, it'll it'll yeah I, I, it'll probably either pick up after that or even it could it could pick up even sooner depending on you know I imagine that some of the stories that he had planned were already in the pipeline, already being worked on. So it's not as if it couldn't happen, say, as early as October or November, and then just in this new format that they'll announce. I could see it like them making some sort of like anthology series where it's basically – maybe anthology series is the wrong way to put it, but basically like it has some sort of banner so that anybody who sees it knows that this is a Scott Snyder story, but – it, it, it basically comes out in these smaller versions, you know, one t- or two, three issues, and then it features, and then that way it releases that way, but it has the, the ongoing, you know, overarching title, but it has that subtitle as part of it. So it says like, you know, I don't know, the Batman universe is the, is the top title. And then it's, you know, two face strikes. Oh yeah. I'm sure there'll be some something like into that. it. Yeah. 
So, they might just call it All Star Batman still. Why not? They might, yeah. They might just keep it All Star Batman and then just change subtitle. The subtitle, yeah. yeah. So, so that that was the other bit of news. So the other real quick thing um, in regards to just any little news bits, there was two two new articles of this week in the Batcave. I, I I implore you to check those there out you if go. you are not checking them out, um, specifically because Jessica puts an amazing amount of work into these. Um, but the first one we have on June twelfth. Um, some of the the highlights from that past week included uh, Tom King clarifying the time frame of where the War of Joke and Riddles is is actually taking place. He stated a year after the bat crashing through the window is when it will actually be taking place. Um, we also saw James Tynan actually talk about um, some of the things that he would want to do with Cassandra. Uh, he said that he would love to do what what he would love to do with the character is he would like to reestablish her relationship with Barbara and uh, Julie Benson, the writer of Birds of Prey. She said she'd be all in for the opportunity to be involved with that as well. And also regarding her the, the change in her name from the previous Black Bat to Orphan, Tynan said that Cass deserved her own legacy. And that was the reason why he decided to not keep her as Black Bat and give her a new name of Orphan. Um, as much as all of us have decided that, or have stated that orphans That's a bad idea, best yeah. name. But the only, there not really any other news bits from that week. But there are, there's a ton of art that you can check out. Some of the art includes uh, some art from Raphael Albuquerque, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, Greg Capullo, Tyler Kirkham. Uh, so you can take a look at all of that. Uh, the other this week in the Bat Cave uh, was on June nineteenth. This one featured a couple of news bits as well. Um, somebody did ask Tom King whether or not he, uh, Batman forgot about Nightwing, Red Hood, and Robin since he took them to the Fortress of Solitude, and he said he did not forget about them. He'll just go get them after dinner. Okay. Fair enough, I guess. I, that is not fair enough for me, but I'll, I'll just leave it there. The, the issue, one of the, the covers for Detective Comics that's coming out in September was revealed, and it features Tim Drake, and the cover is actually an homage to uh, Batman number 441, which is a lonely place of dying, part three. Um, so it has, instead of Dick Grayson holding the Robin suit, it has Tim Drake holding the red Robin suit. And Mr. Oz is also prominently featured on the cover as well. Um, Tynan also stated that if you want to see how everything that happens with the, with Mr. Oz's, um, his, his prison and the prison break that will eventually occur, uh, be sure to check out Superman because Peter Tomasi will be telling that story. Um, that issue where Tim Drake will most likely be appearing in is Detective Comics number 965. All right. So then uh, some other real quick news bits over in All-Star Batman. As we as we said, the new format was announced. Um, he did say that uh, the Sean Gordon Murphy one is not the same thing that Sean Gordon Murphy has been teasing as a solo project. Um, so that has a new little uh, spot on the This Week in the Batcave because Murphy keeps revealing more and more art for his solo project that he has planned. The cover for Dark Knight's Metal number one was revealed and features the Justice League in a strange formation that conveniently makes up the rock symbol, hand symbol that kind of looks like a wolf, if you know what I'm talking about, with the horns. And then, uh, so then rounding out the art for this, that week, we have uh, art by Mikkel Janin. We have art by Greg Capullo. Uh, we have that cover, which was done by Eddie Barrows. Um, Sean Gordon Murphy's art. Uh, there's also a 
there's also a uh, uh, variant cover for Dark Knight's Metal uh, by Tyler Kirkham that's that's revealed. So you can take a look at all of that stuff. And as uh, as you're listening to this, be sure to check out every Monday morning or Monday around lunchtime for the latest this week in the Batcave to find out other little news bits that uh, Jessica tracks down all over social media as creators continue to reveal a number of intimate details about their series. All right. So with that, we're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews. The first one we've got is dark Knight three. Dark Knight three, the conclusion Uh, Miller and Azarello with Kubert on art. Um, We open up this one with Quar uh, berating Laura. Uh, for being a half-breed and a traitor to Kryptonians. Green Lantern, how Jordan version of Green Lantern, shows up and tells her to leave them to him. Uh, Bruce and Carrie are taking are, are talking in the Batmobile about what the future is going to look like. And then back to Quar, uh, where we see all the remaining Kryptonians are kind of lured into a um, friendly fire, friendly eye beam fire mishap. And almost all of them are destroyed or very badly weakened. Uh, Superman says that he's going to finish him off. Batman and Carrie are there at the scene of this uh, incident. And Bruce is, gives Superman some blowback on the fact that he brought him back to life using a Lazarus pit. But it doesn't really amount to much. Uh, Superman then rips through the rest of the Kryptonians at full force. And Bruce realizes that he has been holding back for all of these years. We send the Adam show back up on the scene, who we haven't seen in about a year in real time, I guess. And he reduces all of the Kryptonians to... Adam-sized Kryptonians shrinks them all down as he comes back to normal size, uh, except Kor, who Laura throws into the sun. Um, we see Bruce um, watching the world for about two months on television after all this happens. Uh, this is a world without a Superman as he is retired from public life. Um, Carrie shows off her new costume with uh, more traditional bat colors than her bright, brightly colored costume. And she says she will now be known as Batwoman from now on. And then the backup is uh, the Dark Knight Universe Presents Action Comics number one, which was written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello. Pencils by Frank Miller and inks by Klaus Johnson. And it's basically a conversation (laughs) between Kara and Clark. And we see different scenes with all the heroes that we have encountered so far, uh, like Aquaman, who I don't really remember being in the main story, but that's like, oh, he did pop up that one time. That's right. Um, That was so long ago. Batman and Batgirl, of course. Green Lantern with his severed hand. Um, (laughs) The Flash. I know. The Flash, Adam, Wonder Woman, all these sorts of things. And so she's basically... She doesn't really understand Clark and his his motivations, um, but in the end, she asks him to teach her sort of how to be in and and love, you know, love these people and also be on Earth and everything. So at the very end, you see them walking together, both in a civilian guise and uh, both with glasses on, and that is the uh, there you go. It's a good one. That 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 backups. There's something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Green Lantern's disembodied hand floating around is just put it on the put the ring on the other hand. Anyway, so first question, simplest question that the story begs, in my opinion, Batman makes this big thing about how Superman's such a great fighter and he's been holding back for all these years. So, including the famous Batman Superman fight in Dark Knight Returns, does this mean that Batman really can't beat Superman at all, and Superman's just been laying down and letting Batman walk over? I wouldn't say that. Uh, I don't know. Um... I would think that Batman could still take down Superman in some way, but I I feel if it, it 
I don't know. It, it feels like a MacGuffin if it, for any other reason other than just conveniently he's been holding back all these years. But when they've had battles in the past, including in Dark Knight Returns. Which is probably the most uh, famous Batman Superman fight, honestly. Yeah, exactly. He, he was clearly just holding back the entire time. And it had nothing to do with the fact that, you know, Batman could just best him by, you know, coming up with a way to outsmart him. No, he was just he was just holding back and he wasn't actually trying to defeat Batman, I, I I I don't know. I just feel like it was a weird, convenient way of just getting out of what they were doing, rather than just actually doing what they should have done, which was figured out some other way of of you know having this 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 conclude. So, um, do I do I assume that Batman could figure out a way to still beat him? Yes, but I. I just find it kind of just like weak writing that this is the way they decided to wrap everything up was just, oh, Superman's been holding back all these years. Well, I I think it's probably true that he's been holding back. I think he has to hold back. I mean, we've even seen this in narration in his own book that, I mean, he has to hold back just to shake somebody's hand. So I I think it's clear, clearly that he's, or it's, it seems realistic that he probably holds back in all of his fights because he could probably utterly destroy somebody. But here we are at the end, and he needs to shut it down. And so I, I guess he takes um, a page out of the Justice Lords book and <laughs> mm-hmm. decides to put a stop to it. Um, whether, you know, I could see Superman destroying Batman here as well. I, I think, you know, what Batman has of course, is his intelligence as well as certain gizmos, a.k.a. kryptonite, that would inevitably somehow uh, put them on the same level. But I think if push came to shove, Superman could he could destroy Batman. I think that Frank Miller is trying to tell us that that's what he believes. And I think since he's the architect of the biggest Batman Superman fight, I think it's stuff on the story he's trying to say. Snow is right. Like Superman, in any regular context, would rip people apart. I mean... The, Anybody who can pick up buses or do one of the other bajillion things we've seen him do could literally lip, rip your arms off and beat you with them. You know, I mean, this is someone who could do that. Um, I just thought it was weird that for Dark Knight 3 to end by basically contradicting the ending to Dark Knight Returns. You know, like, mm-hmm. Dark Knight Returns is a story where the end is Batman beats Superman. And then we have Dark Knight 3 where the end of Frank Miller says... Yeah, that fight you saw last time, he was just letting him win. You know, so it's kind of just kind of weird to see that done. Almost like Frank Miller is cheapening his own story um, by making that into such a question mark. Um, stories all over. What do you think this is a whole? Is this a worthy sequel to Dark Knight Returns? And then do you want to see any more adventures set in this universe or as... Stella to put it, should they just shut it down? Well, I'm as much as I okay, so here's the first comment about this. Um, as far as this story goes, this was not really a Batman story. Sure, Batman took play, you know, took part in the story, Batman was part of the story. This really just came across as a Superman story. Um, Batman was playing second fiddle to him, what seemed like the entire time. The fact that the villains were Kryptonian based, the fact that we had uh, Superman's daughter feel uh, have such a prominent role in the series, it just didn't feel like a Batman story. It felt like just a Superman story that Batman was part of, which might have been the intent all along. But of course, when you call a book Dark Knight 3, you assume that Batman is going to be the main focus, not Superman and his 
supporting characters, whether they be the Kryptonians or his own daughter. Um, do I feel as if they need to do more? No, I think they should probably just put it to rest. But I also know full well that they are definitely leaving it out there. The fact that they de-aged Bruce, they just, they're obviously setting it up where they could pick it back up if they wanted to and do a fourth volume if they really wanted to in like a couple years. Um, should they? No, I don't really think they should because it just feels like unnecessary at this point. And the problem is if they would have just titled this Dark Knight Universe Superman or something like that, I wouldn't have been necessarily as uh, as uh, you know opposed to what they actually presented, but it just feels like when you actually present a series as Dark Knight 3 leading us to believe that this is the third volume in the Superman story or in the Batman story that is and it has Superman as part of it, it just I don't know, I feel like I got lied to and you know I also find it slightly interesting how, you know, when the book launched over a year and a half ago, yeah, it launched in November of 2015. Let's keep that in mind. Um, When it launched in November of 2015, it sold a crap ton of issues. I'm sure this one will sell a good chunk of issues too. Not nearly as many as the first issue did. But the thing that like really bugs me and upsets me is the fact that DC thought, it needed a crap ton of promotion before they announced it at San Diego. They promoted it with Frank Miller actually on a panel at New York Comic Con. It released in November. And here we are a year and a half later, and they just basically let this issue release under the radar. They did absolutely zero promotion for it. There was no like wrap up interviews that I saw anywhere on any of the larger news outlets. Uh, they didn't even feature it when when they sent over the list of comics for the week. It wasn't even featured as one of the prominent releases for the week. Um, so clearly, they even though it's selling, it just felt like by the end, and this is obviously from behind the scenes aspect because obviously most readers are not going to see what I saw, which is them not really doing a whole lot of promotion. It just feels like they realize that it's not – amazing it hasn't been getting amazing reviews by any means so they're just kind of letting it fall under the radar sell a crap ton of issues make a bunch of money on it and just leave it at that yeah i think it's time to end it uh quite honestly they probably should have stopped after the first one but um i guess you know what what can you do i uh you know it ended nicely i actually thought for whatever reason this was going to go to 12 issues but it only went to nine. Is that correct? Yep. It was supposed to be eight originally when they announced it, and then they okay. changed it to be nine. They said they needed oh, okay. to add an issue. Well, I lied to somebody this past weekend, and I said, it's going to 12 issues. They could have done it in six. Um, I still keep to – so I apologize for lying to you, Shag. Um, but <laughs> I still keep my original opinion that they could have stopped at six, quite honestly. It certainly was the Superman show. I think we realized this pretty quickly. I think there are some cool developments like Carrie Kelly becoming Batgirl and then – you know, w- which I didn't understand the whole, I'm, I don't like flashy colors, even though your first outfit is the definition of flashy colors. But, you know, that's another discussion. And, yeah, I think the universe thing would have helped a great deal. I, I think Dustin has it right there because 
over at IDW, you've got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, that run. And then now recently, I think they're on maybe nine. They have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle universe. And it does still have the turtles and everything, but they have the freedom to go off and investigate different side characters. And it's okay because it's not, it doesn't need to be focused on the turtles. And so I think in this case, they could have done, you know, the Batman, well, Dark Knight universe. And the backups were just nuts. Uh, yeah, and and the thing is, it it all came together in this particular issue because we're wondering why do we need to care about this disembodied hand of Green Lantern? What's up with Adam? Like all of these different characters with their backup story that really didn't make much sense. They all come together in this one. You're like, well, I guess they paid off there, but it could have been they could have been put together a little bit. Uh, better than than they were so i i don't think that it was worth it i think uh, i i did actually enjoy this issue and i think it was a couple issues ago or it was last one that i remember liking it and you guys didn't really like it as much oh maybe it was the wonder woman issue where she started mm-hmm. kicking yep. some butt uh but overall it, it wasn't worth it and i think they probably could have cut it down to six yeah here's how i kind of feel about the whole thing story wasn't great i mean it, it had some good moments in it um, it's more Miller than Azarello, I think. I don't know. It just, I still find Carrie Kelly to be an interesting character. Mm-hmm. I just think they screwed up the whole dynamic by making Bruce Young again. You know, like I just think that's where they just they screwed it up. They they, they screwed up the whole old Batman mentor relationship it was, it was so interesting. So I don't know. I would I read a Carrie Kelly story if. Azarello did it by himself and be excited about it in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see myself doing that, but I don't know. I kind of think that this needs to be put away until there's someone's got a real legitimate reason to bring this universe back in a series. Well, all right. So dark Knight three, number nine, I'm going to give a total of three out of five, two out of five. I will give it a three out of five as well. And over on the website, Paul gave it four. So that's going to give Dark Knight 3, number nine, a total of three out of five batterings. Moving into our next book, Batman. Batman number 24. (laughs) Every epilogue is a prelude. You know, I guess it's apropos that I get the Batman book because there's the most shipping in this book. So it makes sense that I'm the one who's recapping all of this. So (laughs) this issue is, is, (laughs) it's very interesting. It goes back and forth between tonight and today. In the today scenes, you have Claire, who has been in off-panel land, cleaned up as it were and she is no longer afraid and she's discussing with Batman what she needs to do next and he basically tells her it's her decision he gives her some options says that he struggles with being happy and it's something he strives for happiness but he consistently fails the tonight scenes basically follow Catwoman and Batman, as we later find out, is somewhat following her like a stalker. And it starts raining as all, you know, nighttime scenes do. And it ends up on a on a roof. And yeah. <laughs> Batman reflects back to the first time that they met. And there's still that disagreement of when it was. Was it on the boat? Was it on the street? But he is Batman's adamant that it was on the boat. And after she 
stole that uh, diamond. He ended up buying it, and he had this weird sense that he was going to need it. He was going to need it somehow. And so <laughs> he takes off his mask, and then he takes off her mask, and then he gets down on one knee. This is real life. This really happened. And then he asks Catwoman, a.k.a. Selena, to marry him. It's, it's, it's true. So it says, next, the war of jokes and riddles. So who even knows if we're going to find out what happens after this issue? Are you, do you have butterflies in your tum-tum, gentlemen? No doubt about it. <laughs> uh, Dustin's too manly of a man to admit it. No, but he, no, he I was actually, my, 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 uh, my, my mic was muted. I was trying to say, if uh, one of us, Ed or I, received this book to review, I don't think we would have done it as much justice as you could have possibly. Definitely not. <laughs> Okay, so we have yet another uh, shipping scene between Bruce and Selena, and I think uh, I I really appreciate Tom King and all he's done to sort of erase the terribleness of the New 52 initial scenes from my memory, uh, you know, to a certain extent. My first question is actually about Bruce and saying, you know, how he fails at, at finding happiness or being happy. And I wonder, if comics were to ever end... Do you think we would find Bruce Wayne slash Batman happy in the end? Is is happiness in the cards for him? Or do you think he's just going to consistently be this character who fails at finding happiness? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that if Bruce could ever move on and if there ever was an end scene, I think he could eventually find happiness. I think he has found happiness in a weird way. It's just not happiness like the rest of us would. I don't get happy by beating people half to death with my bare fist, but I think he does get a certain amount of happiness out of it. Um, I think that you even get some twinges of that in his conversation with, with Gotham girl in this. No, I, I think Bruce would be happy. I, I, I kind of subscribe to the Christopher Nolan uh, version at the end, which is, you know, him off somewhere away from all the action finally being able to get the city to a point where he could retire. So that means cleaning up all the supervillains and stuff like that. And him and Selena in some cafe in France, you know, raising a family and, and having a normal life. I, I would like to hope that that would be his ending. Yeah. I mean, is it possible for Bruce to have an ending? Certainly it is. I mean, I, you know, I had, I when, when this, when this happened, I had to question, you know, we were talking about when we were talking about Batman 23, and how it ended and how he's kind of like glancing up at the bat signal, not really responding. And, you know, we, we said to ourselves, is this really going to be the moment where Batman's broken? Doubt it. We highly doubt it. It's, it can't possibly happen. I don't think any of us were actually putting this sort of reaction together. Um, it doesn't seem like the reaction of Batman realizing that maybe he should live a normal life and not be Batman. He's not saying he's going to stop being Batman by any means. He's just proposing and trying to, have more of a real life by you know marrying Selena and and that so so is it entirely possible that you know that that Bruce could have a happy ending sure the problem is that I see this like and this is probably just because of how my mind works but I see this very strange twisted version of what Snyder was trying to accomplish with these you know, he lives for X amount of years and then he, you know, he has a new clone take over for him. And I keep thinking to myself, oh, man, I hope we're not going in that direction where he's going to give up the mantle and then a clone is of himself is going to take over for 
you know, being Batman, but then this version. Yes, because it's bothering me that it just exists. I hate the fact that it exists. I mean, it's there, and I just I don't like that 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 is even a potential possibility. As an Elseworld story, sure. As a real version of it, I don't want to actually think that that's possible. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like, is it you know could could hypothetically Bruce have you know get married to Selena? And still be Batman, sure. I mean, I guess Selena would be working more hand in hand with Bruce, and not so, you know, you know, she would she would probably move a little bit more towards the 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 good side, and out of sight of that gray area that she's constantly in. But I mean, it could be a really unique story. Um, I was seeing some people online talk about how I they were just hoping to, that this isn't a way to set up killing Selena. I was like, I really hope that's not the direction they're going. Yeah that would be really upsetting. So, yeah, I mean, I think it could be cool to see how it, it you know, it eventually plays out. Um, even if it was something where like they got married and then like something happens later on down the line or something like that, where they break up. I mean, if just to see the potential possibilities of, of Batman being married and see that relationship that we know has taken place in other versions of Batman in Earth 2, Selina and Bruce were married. Hunters. Yeah, they got a daughter. Yeah. So I mean like they it's it's definitely occurred in other versions. So I mean like I'm not I think it, it could be interesting to see how it could actually play out as part of the main continuity. I just hope that they're not going in some weird direction where he's just basically like, I'm hanging up the cowl and I'm gonna get married and have a happy old life because that I don't see as a realistic thing for the comics, but I would love to see, you know, this marriage thing actually, you know, at least play out as far as the story goes and not lead it to some sort of death. I think in terms of the the happiness question, I I believe that Bruce is his own worst enemy and he's the one that's keeping him from being happy. I think to a certain extent, he may not believe that he deserves that happiness and I mean, his singular focus, I think, is Gotham. And so he just puts himself <laughs> behind all of that. And because of that, you know, every lady that he might have is going to play second fiddle to Gotham City. And uh, so uh, I'm hoping that if anything happens with this, that, the, well, I mean, it's already been better. It seems like it's been better in Tom King's run. But I'm just hoping that it, it will be more... <sighs> Like he'll he'll put her first, and I, I I don't know if he can be Batman and have a relationship at the same time. I just think that it's it's like having a wife and a mistress. I just don't know if it can work out. I feel like he's got to give something up, and well, I'm also concerned because you know Kate couldn't marry Maggie because of you know happiness purposes. No one in the Bat family deserves to be happy, so I don't really know if this is going to happen. <sighs> oh boy, uh, my other que- why I, I have another question about this, and this it's why now? Why do you, I mean? Is it just because of that bat signal situation that he's reevaluating his life? It's coming with Claire and he's sort of looking at her and and she's getting a fresh take on life as well. And so he's starting to rethink it. But I also am thinking, I know this is rebirth, but I'm also thinking about when back when he was dating um, back in uh, Heavy. It was called Heavy, right? It was Heavy. Super Heavy. 
too bad I met you. Woo! Uh, when he had his beloved there, and that seemed like it was pretty healthy and everything, but then that ended. But why do you think this is the time for him now to decide that he wants to be with someone, he wants to be with someone fully, and it's going to be Catwoman? Well, I think out of all of the relationships he's had, I think Catwoman makes the most sense. Um, as far as the timing goes, I don't know that the timing, I honestly feel like the timing, at least for Tom King and the story that he's presenting, the timing just makes sense because of what just happened with the button. Um, I can't think of any other reason that this would actually be happening other than that. The one thing that I find slightly annoying is that I feel like Batman is happening in a separate time as everything else. I don't know if you guys feel like that, but like when it comes to like reading detective comics, they don't reference stuff that's happening over in Batman. Um, sure, we had that whole Red Robins, you know, fiasco that happened a couple weeks ago, but that didn't actually happen. That was pulled out, but like they're not recognizing the fact that he proposed to her in any other books. Um, you know, he's going to tell the story of the War of the Joking Riddles to Catwoman, um, and that you know and. We're, we're going to see that story play out. So Batman's taking place in the past just because he's taking, telling a story from his past. But I think like nobody's referencing what happened with the button in the other issues. Nobody's ha- at referencing the other things that are happening in the pages of Batman, like what just happened with Bane. N- none of this stuff is being referenced in the other titles. And that's what's frustrating to me is because it's starting to feel as if it's like the odd book out because it's telling a story. And the only book that it potentially ties to is the pre rebirth Scott Snyder stuff, which makes sense because it is Batman after all, but it's, but the other titles that are out there aren't really tying together with what's happening here. And that that's just bugging me. I don't know if you guys are bugged the same way I am, but I have wrote down here. note. the note I had wrote down before Dustin started talking was the words, Line wide and three lines underneath it. I'm sick of having stuff being segregated to one book. If we're going to have this Catwoman relationship a real thing, then it needs to be line wide. And I, I, okay, you can finish telling the story before it goes line wide. You know what I'm saying? But if Selena is going to be his wife, if this is what we're going to do here, then that needs to be reflected in Detective, Batman, even All Star, or whatever variation it's called. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't want this to be like New 52 where he's got a girl in every book. Like, if we're going to have Selena become his wife, make it line-wide, make this other stuff line-wide too, and just I just think that that's very important that that, that gets done. Uh, yeah, I agree with that because, you know, to a certain extent, I think that Batman's taken a bit of a backseat, not much of one, but a little bit of a backseat in Detective Comics. And I remember asking... Tynion at San Diego, do you consider this a Batman family book or a Batman and family book? And he thought it was a uh, like a Batman family, I think is what he said. And I think at the beginning for me it was a Batman and family, but now he's really given over the reins to that team to Batwoman. So I can almost excuse it in that sense because maybe we don't see all the side stuff that's going on in Detective Comics. And then All-Star is just a completely different thing, and you could almost complain that All-Star is not really in line with other stuff too. So I think it's it's a matter of Batman himself uh, being a, a Wolverine character mm-hmm. in that he's in a bunch of books and they're not necessarily 
necessarily tied together. I would love for this to be, I know it's not now, but I wish it were an alternate universe book because over over in Marvel, they have an ongoing uh, Spider-Man title called Renew Your Vows, I believe it's called. And so it's it's Peter Parker as Spider-Man and Mary Jane are actually married again because, you know, they Mephisto divorced them, basically. And they have a child. And so I almost wish that we would have that potential where we could have a strong relationship and one that continues and we're not basically dreading. Or and, and thinking about when it's going to end, uh, which is sort of my concern with all this, because it's very beautiful and you know shipper heavy. But at the end of the day, you're like, well, this is Batman, so it's probably not going to last. So uh, that's my unfortunate thing there. As for the why now, I think it does tie to Claire uh, to a certain extent, as well as meeting his father. I, I did think that, that that was a uh, a big scene at the end. You know, that might have been, I, I guess we got into this argument before, but one of the biggest parts of the button was, I think, just that end sequence and the fact that he wasn't budging, even though Alfred asked twice if he was leaving. But with Claire, it's interesting because we don't really see him be this wholly honest with somebody. I'd say the last time that happened probably was Tim. Because even with Damien and we saw that relationship grow, I don't think there was this level of honesty between the two of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, there were some very beautiful moments there. But here, I mean, she even knows. He he says, I'm not happy. And she says, I know. So it's almost like this whole experience with everything has bonded them in a very particular way. And he's able to, to talk to her. And I think looking at her and seeing that she's starting off with a clean slate, He's thinking about what if or, you know, the path that hasn't been taken. And so I think the why now, because, well, he's been with Catwoman on and off uh, throughout this run. And she's really, I, I think, been a force in his life. I think that they've had beautiful moments as well, for some reason, always on the rooftop. But it seems like they've been pretty honest with each other as well. And so I think he's just going for it. Um, but I think it is interesting that it all goes back to that diamond. You know, when you read that, you're like, gee, he had a feeling all the way back in, what, 1939? He, you know, he kept that diamond for whatever purpose he felt like it was going to. And, and I always feel like Catwoman is, you know, the one for him. Uh, so I'm hoping that it doesn't turn out badly. So my final question is about Claire, because, of course, she is the other main person. and She's very much a foil for this whole story here. What do you think she's going to do? Uh, she And do you think it's the right decision? I mean, I guess the thing she's going to do, she's saying that she's going to continue being a superhero, but she's going to try to do it without powers. Do you think this is a smart move? Do you think we're going to consistently see her? And is there going to be a point in this book some, I mean, it's got to be in the future, probably a couple years. But do you think there will be a point where she dies? Well, it's funny you say that because as you were asking the first part of your question, I thought to myself, well, I'm pretty sure the only reason she's still going to be around and she's saying she's not going to use her powers is so that they can eventually kill her. Bam. Um, yeah. Because I'm, And I hate to say it, but I, I honestly <laughs> don't see a reason to keep the character around now that she's, you know, she has been basically this like, 
background plot point for so many story arcs that Tom King has been telling that I feel like the only reason to keep her around and not just say, you know what, I'm going to go live my life. I'm retiring. I'm in Gotham. I'm just going to, you know, I, I had a good run for the yeah. short couple months that I was, but I've decided that I'm just going to give it up. And as much as I want to be a hero, maybe my, maybe I should just go work with a charitable organization or something like that and be a hero in that way. That's what would make more sense to me. Not let's keep her around. She's not going to use powers, but she's still going to be a superhero. That just leads me to believe that she's eventually just going to get killed. Yeah. Although her time would probably better spent helping rescue dogs or something like that, as you alluded to. Um, You know, the rescue dogs, whenever they do those, those commercials, they are, they just, they, they, they like, if, if you don't, feel something for those dogs they show in those pictures you have no heart it's, the ones that's, that are, that's dustin yeah. saying that yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> and mean, it gets worse during christmas because they have animals that are outdoors and the elements oh yeah so it's save a rescue happen. dog if you can i do my dog's a rescue old hobbsy so, so is mine yep um what are we talking about dog no <laughs> claire. Uh, yeah claire 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 um yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, what do I think she's going to do? I mean, I, as much as I would like to disagree with Dustin on this, I mean, I think what's going to happen is there'll be something, I don't know what it is, a meteor or something, and she'll have to expend. Like, isn't this almost certain what's going to happen? She's going to have to expend all, because if she expends all of her power, she dies. She's going to have to do some major heroic thing, and she's going to expend all her powers, and she's going to die. And that's going to be that. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope they do something really clever with her, but... I would have to say that it's a it's a ticking clock. I'm it. It was interesting because if you think about it, the conversation she was a little bit wishy washy. You know, do I? I don't. Why? And she does. She's at least honest with herself that the fact that she became a superhero is because she wanted to really emulate her brother, um, which was a, a different way. I think of. Well, I mean, people people become superheroes for different reasons, uh, and uh, well, that's certainly the route that some people say Barbara Gordon took, but I disagree with them. But, you know, so now that her brother's gone, she's got to seek her own purpose. I'm hoping that um, it comes back to her creation, because I feel like that's still a little shadowy. We got some information, but I feel like it's not all out there, you know what this organization is. So I feel like if they do kill her off, I hope it comes around like a little circle and we've got something. It's something to do with like the Sino Superman and the bronze age with Tony Gordon and all of that. Do you remember Tony? Um, (laughs) (laughs) The brother of Barbara. Uh, I think he's not in continuity anymore, sadly, but anyways, so I, I just hope that maybe this corporation comes back and it's through that or some sort of sequence that she uh, dies. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like she's not as engaging of a character compared to other ones that have been introduced. So I don't know if she's necessarily ready, though. I guess she could potentially grow on the Detective Comics team. If she's going to stay around in Gotham, that might be the best place for her. If not, I feel like we're writing her out for a certain amount of time. And then, you know, she'll come back and be like, oh, well, the training at Nanda Parbat was so glamorous. And <laughs> and then something will happen. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, she could certainly do other things, just like Bruce was doing when he was just regular old Bruce Wayne and didn't have his memory and everything. But we'll see what is to come. 
All right. So, Batman, I'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five. Uh, four out of five. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of five. Oh. Yep. You went there. It's good. I did go there. Yep. All right. And over on the website, Matthew gave it three and a half. So it's going to give Batman number 24 a total of four out of five batarangs. Let's move into our last book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 958, written by James Tynion IV, art by Alvaro Martinez. A bleeding hairy dwarf in a trench coat staggers towards the Dixon <laughs> Center, where the Gotham Knights basketball team entertains Sean Paul, <laughs> Luke Fox, and Kate Kane. The dwarf collapses at the side of the court, begging for help, and Sean Paul asks Luke to black out the stadium lights to get Nomaz, the dwarf, to safety. Across the city, Bruce Wayne enters Penguin's new iceberg lounge. He argues with Alfred that Batman would be better to ask her his questions but alfred insists that his appearance as an old friend is better oswald cobblepot invites bruce to a private poker game to see the performance in question over alfred's objections in bruce's comms at the belfry clayface and cassandra rehearse shakespeare's the tempest giving mm-hmm. some insight into the developing friendship they are interrupted by the trio from the basketball game with Nomaz on a floating medical bed. Nomaz mouths off, off to Clayface, but is terrified of Azrael's suit of sh- sorrows. Luke main- mentions that he's been studying the suit's AI since issue number 950, where he learned its secrets. Kate asks Jean Paul about his history since Nomaz was created by the Order of Saint Dumas, just like Jean Paul. Their genes spliced with animal DNA. He was programmed by Mother in Batman and Batman and in Batman and Robin Eternal. Nomaz wakes and tells them that the Order is evil and has destroyed the entirety of the Old Guard with their new robotic Azrael named, codenamed Ascalon, again seen in issue number 950. Nomaz tells them that he it has followed him to Gotham. Meanwhile, Bruce plays against a motley crew of cons and failed thugs like Killer Moth. One odd poker player calls himself Brother Kodo and seems terrified but eager to experience as much as he can before a huge <laughs> robot breaks into the casino, declaring it time to excommunicate Kodo. Before it can do much more damage, though Zatanna subdues it with her localized gravity magical spell and then smiles at Bruce. First up, uh, Nomaz. He comes back. Um, we've previously seen him in the old Azrael series and some of the old Azrael stories. Um, do you feel as he, he, if those of you who don't know who Nomaz is, he was basically created to work in succession or alongside as a, like a helper for Azrael. Azrael uh, Robin. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, that's the best way to put it, Azrael's Robin. But Jean Paul's Valley's version of Azrael. Um, do you feel as if this was a appropriate time to bring the character in, um, or do you feel as if this was slightly unnecessary, or do you just want to wait and see how it plays out? I think that it was kind of unnecessary. Uh, I just didn't. I don't know. I mean, listen, this isn't a character that I have like a deep emotional attachment to, but like, I don't know if anyone else felt like this, but. When the name was there, I was like, I mean, there was like, oh, it's like whoop de doo Basil. What's it all mean? You know, like, it just, I don't know. Just doesn't have a lot of punch for me. Um, now, that's, you know, not taking anything away from our scribe here. I mean, he's put, he's put together a really good Detective Comics book. So um, maybe he's going to do something super clever and fun with them. And if he does, I'm totally down to, to read that story. But I definitely had the reaction of we got a lot going on here. And this is maybe more than we need. So I read Azrael off and on because Barbara Gordon 
appears. And um, so I have encountered this guy, so I'm glad that I at least recognized him. But I don't read it thoroughly to, like, have a good basis of information. But if this is going to be an Azriel-centric storyline, I think that it's good to, to pull from the past. And he is someone who is closely associated with Azriel. It's going to give, I think, fans of that Azriel book joy because it, it goes to show that Rebirth is, in fact, pulling from the well of pre-Flashpoint and things like that. So I do think it is a good choice. Um, and, and I think they, they lay it out in a certain way that you can tell that they have a history, but they're also somewhat giving an explanation of why they have a history. But I do also believe that we need to wait and see how it all develops because we were only given a little bit. So I think for newer readers, this might be like, who's this hairy little guy that's just waddled up here? Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm fine with it. And, and I, I just think it, it goes to show what rebirth is. And, and I think it's little moments like this that need to keep happening in order to keep older fans interested and, you know, show them appreciation. You know, I think Stella hit on something right there. You said if it's going to be an Azrael-centric story, I don't think I want an Azrael-centric story. I think that's my whole reaction to it, to be honest with you. It's not going to be, you said? No, I don't want it to be. I don't want to read an Azrael-centric oh. story. Like, Is that because you don't like Azrael? I don't. I, I just find him to be like the fourth most interesting person in the room right now. <laughs> Out of four people? Yeah, like I don't, I don't, find, I don't hate him. I, I mean, it's not like Mad Hatter where I like I start spitting in cups and stuff when I see him. You know, it's not like that. But like, I think what we saw with what spoiler that we kind of needed. I thought we were going to get into that more. Was more interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was the shock right there. Is the fact that that was a one shot. Yeah, like I thought we were this whole spoiler story, and then we have this going on. So like, I guess half the time I was reading this, I'm like, oh, I think step ste- what's going on with Stephanie is far more interesting. What Bruce is doing there is more interesting. The stuff between Clayface and Cass is more interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just yeah. all the stuff going on right now. He's like the least interesting guy in the room. So I guess that might be my take on it. And I think the the problem is that because each of these story arcs focuses on somebody at more length than other ones, I think it was bound to happen once they added them to the team. I think – you know, I agree. I don't necessarily want to see an Azrael centric story either, uh, just because I don't really care that much about Azrael. I, I honestly, I, I, I actually like the Michael Lane version of Azrael from pre New Fifty Two. You know, before Flashpoint and all that. Um, but during, I like that version of Azrael because it was a little bit more grounded, uh, and the character had more to him than he was this crazy person who just was brainwashed by the Order. Um, but that being said, um, I can appreciate the fact that despite the fact that I don't want to see a Azrael story, we're going to get it. So I'm okay with them bringing these Azrael references back and it making it more sense because to me, why not do it? I mean, it, it, would, it makes actually less sense to if you're going to have an Azrael story to not – put in characters that you know are are known to be associated with Azrael. So in that regards I'm completely fine with it. I would just prefer if it would it, you know if uh, we just didn't have an Azrael story to begin with. But but given what we've well, seen from Tynan and the fact that he's been showing bringing these characters back specifically from the 90s he has a reason for them. I mean, we saw the general return. Um, there's other characters that have popped back up that we haven't seen in a while. Anarchy just last issue. Um, 
and yes, Anarchy has appeared in the New 52, but the version that we are probably most drawn to are the versions from the 90s of these characters. So I appreciate the fact that you know the character is appearing even if the character is not somebody who I want to see a focus on. Um, I want to push you on something. And that's the fact that you're both saying you don't want an Asriel-centric story, which I can get that because you see him as the least exciting. But we've already gotten cast to a certain extent, um, Batwoman to a certain extent. So we're left with Clayface and Luke. Yes. And, I mean, are you just trying to – are you going to ignore him for the whole time? Don't you think you would get to a place where you would complain about not getting an Asriel-centric story because everyone else has gotten their own story, but he has yet to? I mean, I, don't they all deserve their, their time in the, in the sun, as it were? No, yeah, not him. Sure, no, they, they would, but we don't necessarily – Are you being serious? But here's the thing, but do the we really – But do we even want him on the team? I mean, answer that question. I mean – nope. He's, he's, he feels like he's here because they lost some people and they need to fill the ranks. I mean, he was just a background character who was working at Leslie Tompkins' uh, homeless shelter alongside Harper Rowe. And instead of bringing Harper Rowe in, they brought in Sean Paul Valley. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I, you know, that I don't want to focus on him. He's part of the team. Sure, they, they are going to focus on him. It's not like I didn't expect it to happen. I mean, we talked about this after, I think, the second story arc, and they were focusing on somebody. We had seen the solicitations that showed that they were focusing on cast, and then it was like, well, after that, they're bound to focus on Azrael, and they're bound to focus on Luke at some point, and so forth and so on. So, like, we knew that this was going to happen. It's not that. I think it's more of a, I just don't think we really care about Sean Paul being on the team. He's just kind of, he feels like he's on the team because I because they needed an extra body. Yeah, Don't you feel that way about Luke too, though. No, not necessarily because I think Luke has a little bit more. Okay. Well, no, okay. I will say he probably it's probably the exact same thing, um, but Luke is more recent. Sean Paul Valley had his time in the sun or in the spotlight in the nineties. He had his own series that lasted a hundred individual issues. So, um, I just you don't know, get it. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why it lasted that long. I mean, other than just to say it was because of the writing team behind the title. Um, that's the only Denny thing. O'Neal, I, right? Yeah. Denny O'Neill. Yeah. So, um, that's the only thing I can think of, but anyway, but I mean, the big thing is like, it, it just comes across as, you know, I don't think neither Ed or I want to see Ezra on the team. And just a byproduct of him being on the team is that we need to have a story focused on him. And it's just, that's not something we want to see just because we don't even want to see him on the team. But I see, I I disagree with that. I don't want to see him on the team, but I don't need a story. Like not everyone's made to be on the cover. Some people are background characters, you know, like this guy's a background character. He got a hundred issues. Like, again, like I don't get how that happened. That's weird. You know, um, but, like, I don't need to see a story focusing on this guy, like, at all. Quite frankly, Harper Rowe is more interesting than he is. Oh, my. Um, I just oh, don't Harper like the cat. Rowe. Yeah. I just don't like Dustin. the cat. Well, with Dustin, you, you have to admit, Harper Rowe is more interesting than Asriel, right? I would say yes, yeah. Boom. Look at that. We're, we're – if, if for no other reason other than just to, to say that the character is more recent, and, I mean, Sean Paul – he was out of the comics for a reason. I mean, he did die. So, well, and think about it. What, how did he get brought back in? Batman and Robin Eternal. Do you remember what a mess bringing him back was? Yeah, it was. Like, yeah, 
nonsense. Like those and even though, were, and I and I have to say, state this, even though I don't like Harper Row necessarily as as much as other characters, I still think I, I no, I know for a fact that I still like her more so than Sean Paul Valley. Yeah, I mean, the, this guy to me, this guy is junk. So, yeah, I just, I guess, I just see him, and I'm like, like I said, you know. The thing is, he served a purpose during night. Yeah, you know, but he doesn't Rifle. anymore. But that's the thing. They should have just ended it there. It should have never turned into the, okay, I'm going to become Aswell and I'm going to become, you know, an agent of the bats. And that should have never happened. It should have just been, he got, you know, once Batman was able to fight him and Batman defeated him, it should have just been, that was the end. He went back into, you know, whatever, hiding or whatever. It doesn't matter what, like it should have never kept going. Would would you feel one bit bad if the opening of the next issue was like, oh, John Paul Valley fell off the roof, he's dead. Oh, well, next, like nobody can like. Oh. No, I, no, I don't think I would. Quick I want to hear what's your question. Was did anybody else think that they missed an issue when they opened this issue? Honestly, is the spoiler? Oh thing? yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I think the problem is that the spoiler stuff happened is that like weird, random, like one issue story, and the solicitations for August show that they're going to pick up that spoiler anarchy, you know, thread that they had in the last issue. But it's just like, it's, it's one of those things where you get so accustomed to having story arcs where they're like, you know, five, six or four or five, six issues long, or even in some cases, even longer than that. And then all of a sudden you go and you do a one issue story that kind of feels out of place. And that's not, that's not to say that it doesn't happen in other books besides Detective Comics, because it happens sure. all over the place. And honestly, it's been happening probably more so more recently in in the pages of Batman. But it's it, but it is it is annoying where you 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 start reading an issue and you're like, wait, where where am I? I don't remember where we were the last time because it feels like we were on a completely separate storyline. I want to hear from listeners what do you think about Azrael, and I would like you to defend him because it's really hard. I feel outnumbered. Here. And also, if you read the old school, I know Ian has because he actually, well, he had heard something that there's some shipping between Azriel and Babs, which I have seen it firsthand. But if you've read the old stuff, why why do you think it was so good? Because I enjoyed the issues that I read. So, um, but it's it's hard. It's hard being outnumbered on this show. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I have to say, I'm outnumbered by the two of you all the time. <laughs> One of you get to feel how I feel so often. Um, outside of that, I mean, the only other thing that I, I just wanted to, I don't even really, it's not really even a question. It's more of a, you know, we, knew, we knew Zatanna was coming. Um, yeah. how, you know, you kind of see that smile and I don't know if it's just me reading into it and my association with Just League Unlimited and Just League, the animated series. But, uh, you know, there's there's always been this little like, flirtatious nature between them at least from my perspective i've never read a whole lot of stuff with satana and bruce outside of just seeing the cartoons of justice league and justice league unlimited but there's always like this flirtatious thing between them and i've always wondered to myself you know when batman is trained by by uh satara john satara you know I don't, and I don't know, maybe there is something I just have, have overlooked it, but I feel as if there's definitely a story out there somewhere that should be told about Bruce having, you know, going through that training phase, you know, going and getting trained by Zatara and then, 
you know, it not not necessarily having like a full fledged like I love you relationship mm-hmm. with yeah. Santana, but like having some <laughs> sort of like some sort of like small, oh my gosh, like that, like a small like maybe like wow. He just keeps talking. He doesn't even acknowledge what just happened because I'm trying oh to ignore gosh. the random smooching noises that Ed is making in the background. Saying, oh man, <sighs> you've got a strength that I—that's just untold of, Dustin. I just yeah, don't know my, how my you strength is completely broken when you start laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so what I was say, so what I was saying was, I feel like there's some sort of story out there where, like, even if it was just like, uh, you know, Bruce and Zatanna had like a a summer, you know, relationship or something like that, where you know. Batman was only around for a couple months or something like that, but they had like a little fling or something like that. I just feel like that story is out there somewhere and I wouldn't be opposed to reading it. That's all I'm saying. But I felt when I saw that smile, I was like, Oh man, this would be the perfect time to see like some of that flashback fling action that I don't actually know exists. And I'm just telling myself in my mind, it exists. So I guess the question is, do you think that would be a worthwhile story to be told? Yes. There is some hints to it in Zatanna by Paul Dini, who wrote the animated series stuff, of course. Yes, oh, is, yes. Um, he, he wrote, there's a collection of his Zatanna stories um, that have some allusions to that, which is, is quite good. But yeah, I like Z. She's a cool character. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Paul Dini's wife is like the real life Zatanna. I don't know if anybody knows that. Um, but he's married to a magician who looks a lot like Zatanna. So I think that's why he always had a fondness for the character. But yeah, I love the character. I'm totally cool seeing some flashbacks with her and Bruce back in the day, and I'm glad she's here. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the question was because I was still distracted by the smoochy noises over there. But if it's about Zatanna, yes, yes. I, I love Zatanna. I think she's a fun character. Um, I guess my first introduction to her, oh, was Identity Crisis. Oh, I think it must have been. Well, actually, yeah, because I think, well, the Batman animated series, though. So I guess maybe my history is a little messed up. My history. But no, I, I, whenever she pops on, I very much enjoy her. And I also really like the Justice League Dark animated film that came out. I don't know if that got as much buzz as other things that were coming out uh, to DVD, but I, that was a really good film. And I thought that uh, the actress who, Ed, you'll understand, the actress yes. who plays Zatanna was the actress who plays Tomb Raider in the new PS4 Tomb Raider. Well, I guess the new PS, the, the new Tomb Raider game. Yeah, the same voice actress. Yeah, yeah, so that was great. But no, I, I'm glad that she's back. I like the flirtation between her and Bruce, but we now have to go back to our Batman discussion because yep. why would he be flirting with Satana if he's in a steady relationship? That's slash exactly why he's not cheating, just flirting. Okay. Wink, wink, okay. nod, nod, know what I mean, know what I mean. That's all it is. <laughs> That's exactly why I brought that up earlier when we were talking about Batman. It's just one of those things where it's like, if you don't recognize the stuff that's happening in the other books – there's just a disconnect amongst the the books then. And this is a perfect example of, I don't understand, like, okay. And maybe it's just because I'm blowing the Satana thing out of proportion, but it just seems as if they should at least recognize it. Like, even if it like, and and they didn't necessarily have to do it in this issue, but uh, come nine 59, when Satana starts flirting, Bruce says something about cat, you know, 
you know, asking Catwoman to marry him or hinting at the fact that he is involved in somebody, something like that, just to show some sort of like cohesion amongst the books. That's all I'm asking for. Like, I just want, like, it'd be great if Detective and Batman actually existed on the same plane for once rather than on completely separate planes. That's all about it. All right. So I'm going to give this issue a total of four out of five. I feel like, uh, Dustin, who are you? You complained the entire time, and then you give it a four out of five. It didn't have, I can't wait to hear Ed's quotes. Let's, let's go, it's Ed. It's not that it didn't have its own good qualities. Uh-huh. A four the, out of five? It had Zatanna on the last page. I give this comic a two out of five. Oh my! Well, at least he's in line with his earlier complaints. Um, I, I will. Uh, I think I'll give it a three point five out of five. I I feel like I have to uh, like give a little bit more reasoning behind my four. Yeah, let's go. Yep. Like please. I said, just because I don't want to see an Azul story doesn't mean the Azul story that's being told is not necessarily a decent story. Let's put it this way, okay? I said earlier that even though I don't want to see an Azul story. I like the fact that they're bringing elements from Azrael's past into the story with like the Nomaz, Nomaz from, you know, they brought the elements from the Azrael in the past. And I like the idea of bringing Zatanna in, if only for the idea of this, this weird thing I have in my mind of trying to get there, you know, this, this, you know, fleshing out of a potential relationship between the two of them in the past. Not that I want to see them have a relationship in the present or the future for that matter. I think that ship has sailed. I just want to, I want an acknowledgement that it actually happened. And I think introducing the character makes it interesting. That being said, I don't feel as if the issue is bad by any means. I mean, we get a lot of character moments between like Clayface and Cassandra, that relationship that, you know, the two of them are building. You have Luke, Jean-Paul Valley and Kate Kane at a basketball game, which seems somewhat out of place, but Hey, it happens. And, you know, I like that they're, they continue to build up, the characters not just in their costumes because that's one of the things I've always complained about in the past was they don't hardly ever do anything out of their costumes and not just in detective comics, but like all the books. Sometimes you have either too much of it out of their costumes or you have not enough. And in this case, it feels like there's a right, a, a very good balance of that, that, and I really enjoy Alvaro Martinez's art. So yeah, I mean, Batman and Selena never do anything outside of their outside of their costumes, right? Right? You get me? Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on. All right. So over on the website, Ian gave it four out of five. So I'm gonna get, so that's gonna give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five batterings. That is all of our in depth re- reviews. Let's jump over to Greater Gotham. <laughs> Starting off on June 7th, main TBU books, where we talked about Batman number 24, Nightwing number 22, a new villain is prowling the streets of Bloodhaven and may just have a job for Nightwing as Blockbuster makes his rebirth debut. This is reviewed by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. I, I think I give it a neutral, but I thought that he and Sean, Sean were like on a break. They were. But. I guess the break still involves the nighttime activities. Well, that's relatively common, though. Oh, okay. Well, I don't. When Ross and Rachel were on a break, they were but, really on a break. Weren't they? But the, I think weren't they living together? 
I think that's what they meant by break. Oh, I see. I think they, I think they were living together like that one issue that like randomly like jumped time six months or something. Mm, I think that okay. they, they were living together, and then that whole thing happened where she thought she was pregnant, right. and then they had to like battle all the villains while saving her the entire time. Yeah. Okay. And I think what they meant by the break was they just needed you know to not be in the same apartment. Okay. Well, if you don't have to be dating to watch TV together, I mean, that's nighttime activities. So, all right. Harley Quinn number 21. Harley must deal with the, with the foe from the future before her parents arrive for a visit. In the second story, Joker continues to take advantage of Harley. This was reviewed by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Clever. Abstain. Secondary TBU books where he talked about Dark Knight 3, the Master Race. Uh, Bane Conquest number two, locked up by Damocles. Bane finds an unlikely ally in Bruce Wayne, who also happens to be imprisoned. The two work together to escape. This is by Ian. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, neutral. Thumbs up. Main DC Universe books, Justice League number 22. Jessica Cruz is the unwitting queen of a swarm of space bugs that has infested the Watchtower. The tower is quarantined, and the finer character relationships are shown. This is by Jim. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up just for the fact I can't remember the last time we had a single issue Justice League story. It's true. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, DC Comics Bombshells number 28, digital chapters 82 and 84 through 84. The bombshell versions of Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Hugo Strange, Penguin, Reaper, and Dr. October appear in the issue. DC Looney Tunes 100-page spectacular Batman, Robin, Tim Drake, uh, J- James Gordon and Alfred all appear in the issue as well as the Duck Knight Detective, for those of you who know who that is. Uh, the Fall and Rise of Captain Adam, number six. Batman appears alongside the Justice League at the end of the issue. Green Arrow, number 24. Black Canary continues to be a main character in the series. Injustice, number two, which includes digital chapters five through six. The Injustice versions of Batman, Jason Todd. Uh, Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Killer Croc, Orca, Man Bat, Batman, Bruce Wayne, Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, Black Canary, Talia al Ghul, Damian Wayne appear in the issue, as well as a new character called Athanasia al Ghul, who is Batman's daughter. Oh, dear. Shade the Changing Girl, number nine. Loma Shade continues her trip in Gotham City. Superman, number 24. Batman and Damian Wayne's Robin both appear in the issue. Moving over to June 14th. Main TBU books. We already talked about Detective Comics number 958. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey number 11. As the birds question Oracle, he reveals that he was working for the calculator who himself requests assistance from the team. This review by Ian. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. I feel vindicated because I thought that it was calculator all along uh, before it was Gus. So now I feel like it's back. And it brings back Death of Oracle into continuity, if you noticed. Yes, I Um, did. So it looks like they're going back to that well, which wasn't a good well to begin with. But I'll give it a thumbs up. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 11, the battle for the Bow of Ra, reaches its climax as Artemis finally gains control of the bow as its worthy wielder. Though the day is ultimately won and all seems well, Bizarro collapses from the battle. This is oh. by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. It's bizarre. Thumbs up again. Shipping at the end with uh, Jason and Artemis there. Uh, I will also give it a thumbs up. Gotham Academy, second semester number 10. Kyle helps Olive get away from the fight between Two-Face and Penguin, while Maps is freed from the terrible trio by Colton and Pomeline. This was read by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Thumbs up. No secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books. Titans number 12. Lilith 
Lilith visits Simon to find the location of Karen Duncan's memory in Agram, all while the beginnings of the dissolution of the Titans team appears to be happening. This is reviewed by, or this was reviewed by Jim. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Justice League of America number eight, the JLA save Max Sun, half man, half monster from the jungle, causing a rift between the team as they try to figure out his hidden motives. This is reviewed by Paul. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral trending towards thumbs down. Abstain. Suicide Squad number 19, Rick Flagg sacrifices himself to take down the Black Sphere, causing General Zod to align himself with the Eradicator and Cyborg Superman. This is by Corbin. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Thumbs way down. Dark Days the Forge number one as Batman moves closer to see what is in the dark. Green Lantern and Duke Thomas come across a secret Batman is hiding in the Batcave. The Joker. Corbin reviewed this. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Neutral. Secondary DC Universe books. New Superman number 12. The Batman of China continues to appear in the series. Supergirl number 10. Barbara Gordon assists Supergirl in escaping the Phantom Zone as Batgirl. And then finally, the TVU trade and hardcovers that have released in the past two weeks include Batman Zero Hour trade paperback. DC Comics Dark Horse Comics Batman vs. Predator trade paperback. Trinity Volume 1 Better Together hardcover. Justice League of America Road to Rebirth trade paperback. Suicide Squad Volume 2 Going Sane trade paperback. And Justice Gods Among Us Year 5 Volume 2 trade paperback. And Justice Gods Among Us Year 5 Volume 3 hardcover. Batman Detective Comics Volume 9 Gordon at War trade paperback. Nightwing Volume 2 Back to Bloodhaven trade paperback. Batwoman by Greg Rucka and J.H. Williams III trade paperback. Mother Panic Volume 1 A Work in Progress trade paperback. Teen Titans Volume 1, Damien Knows Best trade paperback, and Teen Titans The Bronze Age Omnibus hardcover. So that is everything that released in the past two weeks. Be sure to check out all of the uh, reviews that we have on the website. We have a number of different reviews that uh, you can take a look and follow along and see exactly what all of what what's going on in all of the books. So I, I of course, implore you to check it out and find out what is going on over in all those books and be sure to leave comments on those reviews as the, as all the, the, the guys and gals that review those books, they, they obviously enjoy reading your comments as well. So with that uh, real quick, before we get into our discussion point, I just want to let everybody know that uh, Patreon is a, is the main way to support TBU. Um, You can obviously support TBU also by donating directly through the PayPal um, button on the website, but Patreon is uh, that we offer rewards. And one of the rewards we offer is we mention all of our, we mention a certain group of our donors. So thank you to Lisa, Gerald, no deuces and Ian Clark. Um, thank you for your support along with our other five supporters that we have on Patreon as well at the lower tiers. So thank you. And uh, if you are so inclined to support us, uh, to help us produce all of the content that we do produce, not just here on the comic cast, but also obviously background Oracle, uh, the bat books for beginners, Bruce Wayne's world, all of those podcasts. If you would like to support the content that we provide you, we hope that you can help us out by even just supporting one single dollar per month, which will enter you into a bat raffle where we will give away a bat item every single month. With that, we're going to jump straight into our uh, discussion before we get into our listener Q and A's. We've got a quick discussion. Um, so we didn't 
I had no intention of reviewing this in at, at length, um, but I did want to discuss it. So Dark Days the Forge number one, which is the first prelude issue of the Dark Knight's metal series that's coming out in August. Uh, the next one, the casting, comes out in July. But I want to talk about the Forge and gauge your guys' uh, thoughts about this, the, the, the first issue, whether or not you think it's going in an interesting direction or whether you think it's not worth your time. So let's, let's just briefly talk what your thoughts are on the first issue. Attention grabber, interesting, big cast of characters. You know, um, Hawkman plays a central role, or it looks like he's going to, which is interesting that, I mean, it's Hawkman, I don't know about that. You know, interesting that Snyder's trying to weave the metal, and the metal, at this point being literally metal, into both Court of Owls and Death of the Family, kind of making that larger narrative come together. Yeah, I definitely think it's interesting, and I think it's going to be a game changer. I think this is going to be a lot of the setup for reestablishing um, um, the multiverse, and I think that you're going to have Jeff Johns' story you know, these are the two stories that are kind of reset the board for DC here on the tail end of rebirth. So interesting. Yes. Um, not sure what all it means at this point. I don't think we're supposed to, uh, but definitely worth my time at least. Yeah. It seems really big right now, like almost too big. Um, so I, I would agree that it's interesting. I actually like Hawkman. It gave me sort of flashback feels to when Hawkman appeared in justice league unlimited. And uh, we, we kind of got a sense of his past and everything. But, yeah, I'm also not sure where this is leading, but it almost seems like so big. How many issues is this supposed to be? Well, this is just one single one shot. Then there's another oh, one oh, this shot is next it. month. Well, I mean, they, they all tie into the They're all tied together. It's just okay, they, they okay. All have, they're all just I different see. titles. That's all. Yeah. There's one, okay. one shot this month, one shot next month, and then the six-issue series. So eight overall. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, if if you're looking for a, a cast working with Batman that we haven't necessarily seen, um, then I think this is certainly something to pick up. I agree. I, I it did feel very very big. I mean, it felt like it was huge, yeah, huge as far as like where it's grabbing and what areas of the DC universe it's affecting. I mean, there was things from the past that were referenced like way 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 back in the past too, um, but I. I thought it was interesting. Um, I'm not the the one thing that I thought was strange was the Joker stuck in the Batcave and Joker. Green Lantern and Duke find him um, at the very end of the issue. I was like, hmm, I don't know what they're doing with this. I'm sure they'll get to it, but this is strange. Um, it's tying that weird dissonium element that brought Bruce and Joker back to life after. What was that? Uh, Endgame. Yeah, Endgame. Uh, after Endgame, it, 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 they're, they're tying that weird element that brought them back to life into the story. Um, clearly, it has something to do with the metal. Um, and that obviously could have been Scott Snyder's long game was to tell this story about some other sort of metal, but just tying in some of these other things that he's already talked about in some of his other previous story arcs. But I do, I do, I did see online somebody asks uh, Snyder about whether or not the fact that this version of the Joker, which was his version of the Joker from the New 52, which was also one of the three Jokers that appeared on the screen during DC Universe Rebirth number one, whether or not this is part of that, you know, whether or not he's going to dive into the three Jokers. And he specifically said, nope, that's not what's happening here. Uh, that is definitely Jeff John's story, and that's he's going to tell that story. That's not my story to tell. So anybody who was thinking that we were going to see the three Jokers play out in this story, 
you know right now that that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, but, that's Snyder and Caps Joker, right? That's yeah, yeah. So it, so that being said, I mean, but outside of that, I mean, like I am not one to normally like. DC events. I, I've stated in the past that I can tell you full, firsthand that I am not super familiar with a lot of the DC centric events. Um, Final Crisis, I I know because Batman was involved in that, um, and I and I can say with confidence that I really really enjoyed Flashpoint. Um, but most of the events, I know that there's certain bits and pieces that affect the Batman universe. Uh, you know, identity crisis with Tim Drake and things like that. But that being said, like, I don't, I can honestly say I've never read all of, all of the giant DC events, you know, all the way through and, and really appreciated most of them because I just don't tend to really like the events because they focus on a bunch of characters that I don't care, tend to care about. That being said, this does seem interesting. I, I'm, I'm obviously going to continue to read it, not just because, of the website and the podcast, but because it actually does seem interesting. Although I really am interested to know wh- what direction they're going, especially with the cover reveal that, you know, they got the rock horn symbol on the cover. I don't, and it's such a weird, weird formation of the characters. I get what they're doing with the formation, but it just seems so weird. I get that it's supposed to be a metal thing, but I feel like they're going the music metal route too much because Greg Capullo is so closely associated with metal music and and, uh, the fact that he constantly wears a Black Label Society hat and things like that. I don't know if that's why. It just doesn't seem like it makes sense to do that because if it actually has to do with metal and science and things like that, I don't know how that exactly ties over to the music metal elements side of things but i'm interested to see where they go for now um i feel like once we get closer to this dark universe stuff that they're trying to like spin out i'll probably come a little bit more not as interested but for now it looks pretty interesting All right, so with that, we're going to jump straight into our listener Q&As, and we only actually have one from the last two weeks, and it comes from our good friend, Ian Miller. Ian Prime, I pretty much agree with your take on Rebirth. It's a good direction producing good stories, but a few weaknesses, mostly that the long-form story isn't really that engaging by itself more conceptually interesting. Doomsday Clock sounds like it's back on track, but the button was just an advertisement for it, which is disappointing. I did want to say a bit about Steph's current status quo. I appreciated that you didn't rag on Tanyan like a lot of review sites have, because I think he's deliberately having Steph be inconsistent, if not outright hypocritical, by having her use Batman's methods while claiming to be against Batman. I think Stella's prediction that Steph will be shocked by something in the arc following Intelligence, featuring Azriel and Zatanna, that puts her on the path to reconciliation with Batman, and I hope that Tim's return plays some part in that reconciliation, but that Tynion doesn't go the lazy route of just having him make everything better. I don't think he will, since this issue of Detective was very subtle in the way it parallels Steph's philosophy with the villain's philosophy, hinting at the tension in her worldview, but I'm waiting and seeing. Yeah, I will definitely say I uh, we pr- I probably put a little bit too much, I, I was probably a little harsh on what they were doing oh, with Stephanie. Dustin. 
But I think the the thing is like I it's just because I want to see the character in that classic version of the character where you know I can actually you know look at the character and and I, I just wanted to get closer back to the nineties version. And as I said earlier, with what they're doing with Azrael, I, I hope that's not the direction they go. I hope they just kill him off. But um, oh my gosh! Pull one in the back of his head. Boom! Yeah. yeah. Oh my word! But I mean, like the thing is, like it just comes down to I don't. I I, I mean, I just want to see her back to where we where where she should be. Um, and I know I know a lot of that has to do with you know once Tim Drake comes back, a lot of this is probably going to be worked out, and she will probably get a little bit back to where I want her to be. It's just for the time being, I don't want to see her the way she is. So that's why I'm being harsh. But I know that eventually, once Tim comes back, things could go back to the way they were, and then it'll be a lot better. So. One could argue, though, that what you're seeing from Spoiler here is very in character with Stephanie Brown Spoiler. Not Stephanie Brown Batgirl, but Stephanie Brown Spoiler. In War Games, she was a mess, man. Like, she kind of got all... Her not listening to Batman and acting on her own, thinking that she knew better, kind of started that whole problem. You know what I'm saying? Like... You could argue that, um, that, that to me, he's maybe ta- I, taking us down that same road in a more modern twist. Um, she was kind of a mess. She was the Robin that got kicked out after three issues. You know, um, I like Stephanie as a character, though. Um, and I'm cool with making it, bringing her to the, you know, modernizing the character. I'm, I'm, I'm always, I don't mind when the details get switched around as long as the core of the character stays the same. And, and for me, at this point in her character journey, spoilers supposed to be a bit of a mess. All right, so that is all of our comments for this episode. I obviously want everybody who's listening to this to head over to the website and leave your comments for the next episode so that we have a little bit more to discuss next time around. Um, But that being said, please head over to the website for all the latest news and editorials from the website from the Batman universe. Also, if you are so inclined, we did have a new editorial that I forgot to mention earlier uh, that posted up on the website. Uh, the specific editorial has to do with the bygone area or bygone Batman of Earth B. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's basically all the stories that have happened in Batman's continuity that don't fit within normal continuity. Um, these would be like weird advertisement versions of Batman and things like that. Hostess. Um, yeah, Hostess is included as well. So be, be sure to check this out because uh, our, one of our newer writers, Colin, he put this he put this article together and it was a really great article. Um, really kind of dives into all of these stories and tries to kind of make sense of all of those uh, weird abnormal versions of Batman. So be sure to check that out. Also, obviously, as I said, check out all the other news and editorials that we have on the website as well. Be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer as well. As you're listening to this, there are new episodes of Bat Books for Beginners as well as. Back called Oracle, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Bat Fans, Bruce Wayne's World. There's even a new commentary that we posted just recently. Uh, Josh and Don reviewed the episode from Batman the Animated Series called Beware the Grey Ghost. So you can check that out on the commentaries feed. Uh, next up on Bat Books for Beginners, as you're listening to this, just a couple days from now, uh, the next episode will actually feature War, Game, War Games Act 3. <gasps> so check that out. Well, funny enough. Yeah, conveniently. Um, so check that out and be sure to leave your comments, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos. And also, I don't know if a lot of people notice this, but, uh, 
if you haven't been following us on Twitter, you may have missed. I had recently had contest. a contest, yeah, just a random, you know, Saturday contest where I just asked a random question, and anybody who answered had a chance to win a digital copy of the Lego Batman movie. So I, I'm thinking I'm probably going to be doing a, a little bit more of that, maybe once a month or maybe more often, depending on how much interest there is. So be sure to follow us on Twitter because that's generally where I gravitate towards on social media and try to post up other things that it's not necessarily news and editorials and just posts from the website, but other things that I spot around the net that are Batman related. So be sure to follow us on Twitter. If you are interested in just, you know, happening to come across a contest every now and again. So with that, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube, as I mentioned. And uh, with that, we're going to be back in two weeks for the next episode. And we'll have three more issues of Batman All comics Star. to cover, including All-Star. So, so, so real quick before we go, Stella has a brief announcement that she'd like to make. <laughs> yes! Added incentives for becoming a Patreon subscriber. This month, since we're entering San Diego Comic-Con month, in the month of July, if you subscribe uh, at the $25 level, just for even one month, your name will be entered to get a Batgirl to Oracle specialized t-shirt that I'm going to be making in order to take them to uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So. Oh, dear. So Sorry. just like <laughs> some of the, the pop figs and the collectibles that Dustin's been doing, this is an added, in, added incentive. It is a higher level at the 25. Again, you only have to do it one time, but because it's a special thing, that's why I'm asking you to uh, do it there. So please donate, and uh, I'll announce this on Backroll to Oracle as well. But if you want your own Backroll to Oracle t-shirt, uh, then you'll – yeah. And you can, whoever wins can tell me their size and I'll mail it out to you and you can enjoy the season with your back row, the Oracle t-shirt. Yeah. So just to be clear that, so anybody who's currently supporting us at the $25 level or supports us at the $25 level for the month of July. So anytime between July 1st to July 31st, if you support Mm -hmm. at that $25 level, you will be entered in to win the BTO shirt. So that means... If you're currently supporting us at a lower level, even if you just up your level to the $25 level, just for the month of July, you'll be entered into that contest. And then you could lower back down once August rolls around. Okay? Yes. So yep. thank you to Stella for that. So with yeah. that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed, and I'm wearing a neck pillow, and I think that it's increased my productivity tonight. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and this is Queen Hippolyta. And you have been listening to the Batman vs. Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.